Welcome to Minority Corner. With an Eke. And James. The Wonder Twins of Podcasting. Learn, laugh, play. It's like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, queer, and ladylike. This week on Minority Corner, episode 168, we have actress Teresa Attridge in the house, stepping into the guest co-host spot while Aneke is still out on maternity leave. And as our first Asian American guest, sorry y'all, it took so long, uh, we have so much to talk about. She breaks down the myth of the model minority, its history, where it came from, along with the desexualization of Asian men and the over-sexualization of Asian women. Plus, we get her thoughts on Marie Kundo, and also how those in power tend to weaponize our differences against each other and the relationships between young Asian Americans and black hip-hop culture and her thoughts about that and so, so much more. But first, I'm going to dive into the case for reparations. It's about fucking time, y'all. So we're going to talk about this and why we could be the generation to do this important work and finish what was supposed to be done over a century ago. I break down the precedence for reparations of it happening before inside the U.S. and out, what it might look like, and why it's so necessary if we're ever going to have true healing in America. So come on in with open hearts, open minds. Let's have have a great conversation and let's get into it. Teresa, Teresa. Hello. Welcome to Minority Corner. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is just, I'm, I'm really coming into my own in you, this actual corner. You, I, wait. <laughs> We're so- actually in a corner. <laughs> This is the first time this has actually happened. You just made me realize we're literally actually recording this podcast in a corner. This is yeah. not a normal thing. We're two actually. minorities in a corner. Like people are oh getting God. what they expect. This is exactly it. You know, when we're doing publicity photos, Vanessa and I. Shout out to Vanessa. Yes, congratulations. Her baby is mad cute. I've seen it. Oh my god! And just I've never know, seen cute. her, but I would oh. love to see her and her baby Both are with adorable. her consent. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Both are adorable as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually were trying to take photos of us in a corner, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't reading. We're trying to do publicity photos of like us in a corner, but it's it's hard to read. Oh, for sure. I love it because you're here. Mm-hmm. We're both from the Bay Area. Yes. I both from San Francisco Bay Area. Both oh. were doing shows in New Conservative Theater Center. Ooh, shout out! Oh, good oh, shout! That's how we met. Oh my gosh! And now we're both here chasing our dreams here in the Big Apple. It's true. You know, who who are you? Ooh, okay, so uh, I use she, her pronouns. Good, okay. Um, Not like good as in like, good you do. It's <laughs> more like a conversation of like, No, but like, good. It's, it's good to bring up, you know, because yeah. you don't want to assume. It's like earlier when I met your cat, I did not assume the yeah. cat's gender. Um, I grew up doing primarily musical theater, Yeah. but I do love a straight play. I just, I get <laughs> typecast as like a silly lady a lot. I think it's because I use weird voices and I'm you do. A kind of an animated character in and real life. You've done Avenue Q how many times three three times three times three times and <sighs> questions i think it's time for it to close and maybe retool itself because mm-hmm. i feel like it's the same thing when i felt when i watched like book of mormon that there's certain yeah. things about avenue q that i think worked for the zeitgeist at that time mm-hmm. but now watching it it's a little cringeworthy because it's yeah. like well is everybody a little bit racist like oh that's my biggest issue with the show actually really? is so, okay so because you don't know there's a song called everyone's a little bit racist i remember in college like oh. Everyone was singing it because it was still like 
post-racial what we thought we were living yeah. in, you know? We were like, guys, us. we did it. Yeah, high <laughs> fives all around. Oh my God, these puppets are talking about it. We made it. We did it. Um, well, it's interesting because that the song itself starts because Princeton assumes that Kate Monster and Trucky Monster are related because they're both monsters, mm, right? So right. you're like, oh my gosh, you know, that's racist. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that Kate is she's been talking about her dream of opening like a monster school. Right. Right. And how she wants to educate monsters because they don't have as many opportunities and she wants to create a place where they can feel, you know, equal and welcome. And she wants to prove the negative stereotypes about monsters wrong by giving them a platform and a way to educate and elevate themselves. And Princeton immediately is like, well, could I go? Mm. And she's like, no, we don't want people like you. And he's like, that's racist. Mm. But the thing is, like, reverse mm. racism is not that's, a thing. It's not a thing. It's so the whole like she's trying yeah. to create like a historical black college. Exa- that's exactly <laughs> what it, you know, the comparison is made a lot, mm. you know, yeah. which there was a huge thing about that, too. It's like, well, why do the people discriminate against have to be called monsters? Are you saying minorities are monsters? Mm. Right. Yeah. You know, but I mean, the idea was that the monster puppet versus the human puppet yeah. it's the idea that you can physically see there's like something different but we're all made of felt yep that's you know? true and like there is you know i mean there race is technically a, a construct or whatnot but yeah. unfortunately we just created all these rules of people being treated differently because exactly. of these constructs and yeah. that's sort of the idea is that it's like we've really it's something that we created mm, you know like the puppets exactly they're but i mean real. when pe- that's the other thing too is people always talk about they're like well there's one race the human race i'm like I mean, even if science, like scientifically, we're all people, like we're all human beings, we have created a system. Mm, preach. You know what yeah, I mean? We yeah. live in a system that we created. Right. And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. And part of it is like for us to move through that system, we have to acknowledge that these things created. Like we can't just snap mm-hmm. our fingers and be like, okay, sorry, we created these systems. We're done with that. Yeah. We have to like look into them and then dismantle those systems. We have to like heal the atrocities of happened. Yeah. You know, but I, I actually think that's one of the reasons that I still do love Avenue Q and a mm. lot of other theaters because yeah. you have to take them as period pieces. Oh, that's you know a good what I thing. Mean? I didn't even think about that. And you know, yeah. I think it also speaks to how fast we actually really are moving. Oh my God. Because completely. it is a period piece and it is sort of dated. That's why I think it's interesting for it to go away and come back and like, how do we now mm-hmm. do this with the 2019 sort of mindset? Yeah. I, well, oh yes. So you also, so you identify, first of all, I think you're going to, and I apologize, I think you're the first Asian American <laughs> Hello. Person on the podcast that's amazing we've only had two in my defense in our defense <laughs> in 168 episodes we've probably only had like 16 people on the show yeah so it's not like we've had like and most of them have been black <laughs> so i mean <laughs> you know it's one of those things like i'm happy to be here yeah i'm happy to share that perspective and i'm happy to learn your perspective yeah. in a more intimate way well and now you welcome to literally sitting in a fucking corner in a fucking us. corner I, oh i'm so glad we can cuss now my god I, oh fuck yeah oh, fuck yeah mother uh, Fucker. Fuck. You can say like cunt ass horse yeah. shit, oh. motherfucking I- bitch tits. <laughs> Tits isn't a bad word, and yet people want us to think it Kids is. Kids gotta learn. Kids, Kids gotta, gotta learn. learn. Yeah, what's that? It's a tit. It's a, it's tit. a tit. So now that I have our resident Asian American on the show, yes. I just want to like ask you so many questions. Yeah, anything you want. And now that like book. you have to like speak for the community. No, um, I mean it's it's funny. Um, the Asian American community is very divisive in itself. Oh my god, sure. And because the Asian yeah. American community, similar to like the Black community, mm. it's big. Huge. You're talking about like 
many different cultures and yeah. subcultures and countries and continents. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot. So oh, it's yeah. kind of weird for everyone just to think, like, it's going to be the same. Just the way that you wouldn't think, like, all, like, white Europeans have the same exact culture and way of thinking about things and exactly. doing things. Like, Czechoslovakia is very different than Portugal. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. God. <laughs> They're very different. Yeah. 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 You know, so when I when I talk about, you know, like the Asian American voice, I obviously like as an actor, especially it's yeah. very important to me. Um, but it's also important for me to acknowledge like I am Filipina mm-hmm. and I am biracial. Mm-hmm. I am half white. So I don't look Filipina well, at the all. The only bi you are. Hey, yes. you know. Bye 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 is like your theme song. It really is bicoastal, biracial, bisexual. <laughs> I am insane. You are in so many fucking ways. Minus Justin. I don't care for him. Oh, oh fair enough. You know what? Team Janet. Wait, can I get my pin out and co-sign on that yes. one? We're very pro Janet and uh, we've kicked Justin to the curb. Yeah. I'm know, same page. Same page. I was just like, leave Britney alone. God, leave stop talking Janet about alone. her. Like, oh my God. Those people who are obsessed with their ex and can't stop talking about them. <sighs> Literally. Yeah. No. Oh my! And like she's just trying to thrive. She's just you know? trying to live her best life. Actually, her dad's in the hospital right now. She canceled oh her gosh. new. Uh, she was doing a new Vegas residency because she like has revitalized yeah. you know, Vegas. And then her dad uh, got sick, and oh she canceled it all. And I is he still in charge of her? Um, she's he's still her conservator. Yeah, yeah. And he's like helped get her like. And she had the opportunity to cancel her conservatorship, mm-hmm. but she's like, it's working well, y'all. So yeah, she I think kept that's it going. responsible as well and like, it's on my life knows. is better this way like, yeah but there is you know she has kids yeah and that's one reason she wanted to do a residency is she because she stay, she can stay home and like the travel traveling yeah. is a, it's it's fun when you're in your 20s i guess you yeah know, but, but you know i think having that added security you know in case something should happen i think that's her being yeah, a responsible totally. parent you so know she's off doing being with her dad yeah. but uh yes yeah, so you sorry i just always make bi- it about britney um it's kind of always about britney like that's of like course like it's britney bitch you know it is absolutely britney bitch so but bye 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 is mm, you it's me <laughs> it's your theme song i am <laughs> Bye, bye bye bye. So there's so many things I want to talk about. So yeah. like, uh, this is a broad question, but like, how mm-hmm. do you find navigating being in an intersectional relationship? Oh my gosh. Well, it's interesting. The ground rules you have to put through. Oh my, so many. Yeah. So, so to to clarify, yeah. I am an Asian woman in a relationship with a white Jewish man. Ooh, okay. Right. Yeah. So I mean, the stereotypes about Asian women and white men are. Off the chart. I read a study years ago, so I don't even know if it's true. Yeah. So, you know, bear with me on it. Um, that seventy for like seventy five percent of interracial marriages for like between like the beginning of the new millennium and two thousand and ten were it was like seventy five percent white men and Asian women. Really? Yeah. They're like the bulk of it. Or the bulk of it. And Interesting. my my friend Kat, she's so funny. She likes to joke. She's like, y'all are trying to get white supremacy from the inside. Just make everybody not. And I'm like, I mean, that's not what we're trying to do. <laughs> but there's we outnumber everyone. So I guess if that was the plan, we'd be doing a good job. Yeah. But it's also yeah, that's a that's a weird stereotype to deal with is is you deal with the like being fetishized as of, an Asian woman a absolutely. lot by by everyone. Yeah, really. Right. But it feels like with white men specifically, there's a lot of judgment from some people in the Asian community about, you know, well, why aren't Asian men good enough for you? Mm. Or, you know, they can't carry on tradition the same way. Right. Or like, 
your kids will be confused, which is insulting to me because, you know, I'm a biracial person. And that was a big question that came up when I was growing up was the battle between, you know, figuring out that I'm not half of two things. I'm a whole two things. Yep, there it is. You know, like, because I'm very much an Asian woman. I'm also very much a white woman in a lot of ways, Mm, but I I don't pass. Because you feel like you can get away with... I mean, my name is Teresa Atridge, (laughs) you know, so when I give in resumes, when I, you know, apply for jobs, um, I always like, I don't have issues getting interviews. Um, you know, when I speak on the phone, like that people don't like my mom's name is Eileen. Mm. And when people call, she works in a customer service job, um, and people will call her and they'll, you know, go in to see her and they won't look for her because they won't assume someone Mm. who sounds like her and looks like her are the same person, which is really interesting to me because, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite code switching. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because this is just the way that we speak, but we get like accused of code switching. Sure. You're like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just like living my life. And then you, you always get the, your English is so good. You know, I'm like, thank you. I put on my English, like my best like Pacific Northwest voice just, just for you. For you. Just for I you. Because I want to, you know, impress you. Yeah, but so they assume. They, like, well, and that's interesting just going back to like your mom because I know generationally, I mm-hmm. believe that there's a thing uh, with like probably like probably your parents' generation yeah. uh, or like uh, Asian American folks in your around your mom's age, I kind of went away from their heritage. Wasn't Very like, much. And tell me about, about that. Like, what was that? So... It's it's very common, um, especially for people who are Filipino and also people who are Japanese, mm. actually, to have this extra generation where your grandparents or great grandparents immigrated over and they didn't teach their children how to speak their language. And we're like, we're going to be American and Americanized and you're going to be full on like a, a, a proud all American boy or girl. Yeah. You know, you are going to represent this new country that you're in. And it's a way to get them to assimilate because they don't want them to deal with the hardship of racism. Yeah. You know, so the idea is that if you don't have an accent, because that's why my mother never learned how to speak Tagalog and none of her sisters learned, even though one of my aunts was born in the Philippines. You know, she spoke it for the first two years of her life and they never spoke to her again. And that's kind of common because we did a show at National Mm -hmm. Queer Theater, which was about like the Japanese American internment camps. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant playwright. And I have to make sure it's always Japanese American internment camps because I actually said Japanese internment camps to uh, Mm -hmm. George Takai and he yelled at me. So, but that was only because I was nervous. I I was nervous in front of George. First of all, you met George Takai. Like that's... (sighs) Yeah. And I was trying to pitch him to like National Queer Theater to get him like, you know, donate money to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's a lesson, though. Got a lecture. And it's I, a lesson learned. <laughs> and I definitely will always say Jap- because Japanese internment camps would have been in Japan and these are mm-hmm. Japanese Americans. But yeah. But it, again, that emphasis on American, American. and having to assert mm, yeah. your American, American identity, identity. Yeah. you know, as opposed to your Japanese American identity versus a Japanese identity versus an American identity. I mean, it's really interesting looking at how. The children of those. So we get into the the next generation where people like me or like Sam who wrote the play, we feel guilty for not knowing more about where we came from. Right. But because your parents were not encouraged to learn any of that, it was like become American, become American. We don't know that. You have to seek it from outside sources. Because like my grandparents, I would ask them about how do I cook this? How do I say this? And they were like, no, 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 no. Like, Teresa, you don't need to know that. And I'm like, I I don't need to, but I would really like to, Yeah, you know, and they were like, don't go to the Philippines, like never go to the Philippines. Mm. We don't want you to see the life we had, Mm. you know, which there's like some shame behind it. There is. Yeah. It's like, 
I think we're in this movement of really coming out of the dark mist of the white European colonial bullshit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, you know, are coming out from it of like, wait, who am I? Where did I come from? And wanting to like tap into those roots because that history is important. And that history is important because it allows us to, you know, how many of our white counterparts can be like, oh, you can trace their lineage literally centuries, you know, and be able to have that. I can on my dad's side. Right, because there's a more of like there's a proud like this is where we came from, this is what yeah. we did, and that those records were kept. But for some of us who either were kidnapped from our homes or yeah. were running away from something, so there might be some shame behind mm-hmm. that. But we're just like we just want to know. And I think there's a thing in general with families of like there's family secrets, and it's like oh you get my to a gosh, point where secrets. it's like no, I need to know that. Mm-hmm. I need to just know the history. Like it's not shameful. Let's just put it all out there. There's just too mm-hmm. much family secrecy. Yeah. So like, get your aunt. Get That's your really big in the Asian American community as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it's there's this wanting to keep the struggle internal. Yeah. So that from the outside, people don't see it and they think that we're assimilating and we're functional and mm. they can't use it against us. Yeah. Like they can't weaponize our pain yeah you know and i think that's actually something and i'll talk about this in my segment later okay um little teaser yeah (laughs) because i mean one of the big things is uh in the model minority myth is Mm. how asians were weaponized against black people yes i mean just in general they just would constantly that's part of like this sort of rich paradigm uh and keeping like an aristocracy yeah is wanting to pit everyone else against themselves exactly and busy get us so busy with this like day-to-day bullshit so Mm -hmm. we can't really focus on like wait a minute Mm -hmm. what's going on up there yeah they're keeping us busy yeah that comparison of there's a guy with 10 cookies and there's two other guys and he gives one cookie to the one guy and he says, look out, that other guy's trying to take your cookie. Ooh. Instead of wondering why the other guy still has nine cookies. Like, Wait a minute. Why you got all them cookies? Yeah, but now you're worried about the other guy who's going to take your cookie. And meanwhile, that guy's like, how do I get a cookie? Yeah. And they're calling me a cookie monster. Yeah. Um, My fave. Last thing before we pivot into, there's so many things. I just, we don't have like, um, more you. Oh my I, God. No, stop it. More you. I, so this is really hot right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone is talking about what brings them joy and if it doesn't bring them joy, they're giving it away. Now, I oh, my gosh. have purposely, I remember hearing about this book and actually I think I mm-hmm. own it, but I never read it. Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Yes. I don't want to because like I'm not ready to do the work mm. of that. Like, it is a lot of work. I have a friend of mine, she's like, it's going to take me all month. I'm like, I don't have that it kind does. of time. Have you seen the show? I haven't. I'm purposely not watching it. It takes them over a month. I watch the show, then I'm, because I'm an upholder, so once oh. I know information, I then I'm upholding myself to that information. Mm-hmm. So I'm happily living in ignorance and keeping stuff that does not bring me joy. Or you're preparing yourself for what you think is the next phase and fortifying what you need emotionally so you right. can do it in a healthy way. Right. One day I'll be able to do that and live my life in that way. But one day is not today. It's not today. And you know what? That's okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. But I was just like, don't be down on yourself, I know. James. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know what brings Part me joy. Part of upholding know. is upholding where you are now. Thank you. Oh Honor yourself. Here's our Oprah Super Soul Sessions right now. Oh, you! Oh my gosh! I am doing this thing though. Like, if something like because I busy myself with like I'm taking so many projects. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. But I am in a space right now. If I'm like, if this project does not bring me joy, throw it away. Then I'm gonna throw it away. So I've taken mm-hmm. that philosophy and idea of like simplifying like the things that I'm doing or like yeah. you know we say yes to so many things. And there's one thing. It's like mm-hmm. if it's really really contributing and making the world a better place. But 
if I'm going to go there and be a grumpy asshole, then I don't need to go do that yeah. thing. You're not going to spark joy. Ooh, yes. You're not going to spark joy. It's also if you spark joy. I, that's true. My middle if name gonna, is Joy. Oh. I was hi. born to do that. And like, I've been, this has been a joyful time in the corner. Mm. Let me tell you, the physical corner that we're in. Yes. So you told me offline that there's some like racism that Marie Kondo is facing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, one of my flaws and there are not many. One of my flaws. But sometimes your flaws are also your greatest strength. Right? Is that <laughs> I I will get wrapped up in Facebook arguments. Oh, girl, that is. You got to get out. Like, but they're you, only on my, I don't go on other people's okay. pages. You, I don't, unless somebody says something for you. off the rails. Yeah, it's just like when yeah. they're on you. And it's like, a lot of times what happens is you just post a little like something like not even thinking twice yeah. about it. Yeah, and it becomes a some whole thing. And some people just will not fucking like let it go. No. And you're like, but this is my wall. And I kind of yeah. feel like I should have the last exactly. word. Exactly. And I mean, the other thing is I don't get in the Facebook arguments to argue with the specific person causing problems necessarily. Sure. But I do it because I know people are reading it and that there will be somebody who's going to learn. Yes. Or there's going to be somebody who's going to feel seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. It's, it's just a matter of making sure that you are, articulate and yeah. knowledgeable and crafting your argument because even if you can't change one person's mind exactly yeah which um one of my fa- one of my favorite things from debate is that uh, they say be bugs don't be daffy Ooh. if you're arguing with someone and you oh, lose your temper you yeah. automatically lose yeah that's you know. true well and also like you're probably actually not going to necessarily convince the person you're talking to but like mm-hmm. you said it's more so for the others who are yeah, sort of the coliseum it, who came is, to watch the bloodbath i want blood no, no. Are, are you not entertained i love marie Kondo, <laughs> which i do yeah. so i haven't even watched all the show i've watched like a couple of episodes because i'm like pacing through it i really oh, like yeah. it but i also i don't watch much tv oh, so it'll busy. be it's like a treat I'm like, I'm going to watch an episode of Marie Kondo. She's a nice lady. But a lot of the criticism surrounding her is kind of inherently racist. And Mm. a lot of people are coming to their own defense saying, oh, well, I don't. I it's not racist. Like the reason I don't like her isn't racist. (sighs) And I'm like, "Okay, I mean, let's dissect that because obviously, you know, you might not have an issue with Asian people. You might be like, I love Japanese food and I have Asian friends and I have this. And I'm like, that's all wonderful. And I love anime. It's so cute. I have a squirtle. But it's one of those things where, first of all, all of those cases are, it's like the I have a black friend. Like, it's what it argument. sounds like. I'm like, I've heard this before. Are you, oh my God. We have so much in common. I really think <laughs> black nation people need to come together. We do. We really do. Like, we just really do. And it's weird because, like, I growing up, like, and there is, especially with, like, okay, growing up, like, I hung out with, like, the Filipinos, the Fili- mm. like, in high school. And I hung they up fed with the Filipinos. you. I had so much lumpia. Yes. Uh, and it really was like the, it was like the Filipino mafia at high school. My mom was in a Filipino gang oh, growing up. Yeah. Well, and it's, and also, like, when I went to college, I did hip hop dance. And I don't know if you know this about the hip hop dance community oh I sure do it's all Filipinos it's like mostly like every dance team would have like when we went to competition I Mm -hmm. thought it was just our school at UC Santa Cruz oh no when we went to competition every team would have their one black person and their Mm -hmm. one white girl and the rest were like all mostly Filipino at least Asian American Mm -hmm. and I was like how interesting this is great stop I know well we are gonna well I usually I'd be like don't stop but actually Mm -hmm. we're gonna take a quick little break we gotta take a break we're gonna as we say in improv we're gonna rest our game here we're gonna rest our asian talk game and we're gonna actually dip in we're gonna change gears what your flavor with a little bit something else i want to talk about something really fun reparations 
Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. Medication. First-time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear yeah, from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice reparations do it <laughs> yeah so reparations has been like a thing that's been coming back into my life and a lot yeah. of people kind of like shrugged it off and what I kind of wanted to do is do a dive into like what does reparations even mean why should we possibly even think about doing it and what would it possibly look like mm-hmm. um, before we just sort of say no to it you know totally um, and so reparations is defined as the making of amends for a wrong that one has done by paying money to or otherwise helping those who have been wrong so that's what it's for mm-hmm. and so way back after like civil War, the U.S. had created a reparations plan right after the Civil War. And uh, they would be granted that freed families would be granted 40 acres of tillable land and a mule by the Union Army. Mm-hmm. And this plan was proposed by Union General William T. Sherman after meetings with black community leaders in Savannah, Georgia. But it was reversed by President Andrew Johnson. So it never happened. So mind you, this is the thing mm-hmm. that was supposed to happen it never happened. It was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's sort of like if like someone like rear ended your car and like uh, rear ended your car mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to pay for it. And then you're like, oh, OK. And then they never do. And then they keep rear ending your family mm-hmm. and then they like burn your family's car, steal your wife and they just do it generations after generations and they just never pay for the damages. Yeah. And then when you bring it up, you're like, hey, you said you were going to pay me back for damaging my car. And they're like, you really need to let the past go. Yeah. Yeah, always looking for a handout. Uh, I'm driving away. And so like on the... My car was damaged too. (laughs) Yeah, see that? You see that? Do you see this dent? That was you. Yeah. You're the dent in my car. And there's some people who are just like, well, I don't have a great car either. But it's not about that, okay? Mm -hmm. It's about the generations that have happened beforehand. And that like a debt was owed. And according to the... When we talk about wealth in the US, according Mm -hmm. to the Pew Research Center, the median wealth of white households in 2013 was 13 times greater than the median wealth of black households. Oh my gosh. Um, And that's up from eight times greater than in 2010. So it's just... Oh my God, that's insane. So they they talk about the income gap might be closing amongst racial, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, groups, but the wealth gap is not. And wealth is like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having stocks and businesses and things that you can pass on. Chris Rock does a really great bit from one of his old stand-up routines about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't think I've seen it. Oh, it's it's really old, but he talks about how black people have money but they don't have wealth because white people own all the land yes. and like right yeah. so I mean it's a comedy bit but he made a really really good point point. and you bring up a great point too it's like you know the opportunity of like why that 40 acres and a mule at that time would have been such a great first of all black mm-hmm. folks know how to work the land because they were doing it for free mm-hmm. and so imagine like they're able to like get a leg up and start a business yeah. like and it makes sense that you have these people who literally like talk about who pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps mm-hmm. like black people don't even have boots they had to make their own goddamn boots they didn't 
have for, boots or straps. They didn't have any straps. They had to f- make all that shit from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and still just to get, you know, set on fire. And then we talk about white uh, households compared to Latino households. Um, mm. They had about 10 times more wealth than Latino households. Yeah. And uh, then we talk about the average retirement savings for black and Latino households. It's about 19000 uh, for black families and 12000 for about Latino families. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparatively, for white households, 130000 so a lot of difference there's there's a lot of difference so we talk about like the systemic disadvantages that has happened of like well why would we even need reparations well on top of the hundreds of years that slavery happened Mm -hmm. right uh so you have that then you have like the history of government sanction segregation that Mm -hmm. happened during jim crow era uh while our parents were alive why like this is in case anybody's wondering how long ago it was right your parents and grandparents remember yeah it's it's this isn't a very long time ago uh, I mean like my dad was born in the time period where he could not have he was born in Louisiana he would mm-hmm. not have been able to vote in Louisiana when he was born isn't know? that insane it's bananas my parents my wouldn't have been allowed to be married at yeah. the time that they were born right yeah I mean that's yeah so things have like just recently started to like get a little like better. so recent very, you guys we could t- throw a stone to how like recent it was like just to emphasize which is why we still have massive healing to do mm-hmm. I also think about like you know the terrorist groups like the Ku Klux Klan and mm. the terror that they've waged um, also post World War II public policies uh, so about from like the 40s to the 70s were there's so many programs that the government designed uh, to provide upper mobility for Americans but only really white Americans were able to participate in that mm-hmm. think about like even the GI Bill that yeah. suited black people um, you know and I even like there's all these programs that were helping to essentially build a middle class class wealth and mm-hmm. we did not get to participate in any of that um buying uh when redlining which made oh my god home ownership a possibility for white people but shutting out black folks i mm-hmm. uh, and even people of color were even faced to the even mortgage lending a lot mm-hmm. of discrimination around mortgage lending to this day to this day to this day separate and unequal school systems throughout the united states so like this is just it oh even just like subsidized debt free college for white folks after post-World War II, but not for black people. So mm-hmm. that's just a small but little... But please, let's talk about affirmative action. Oh, oh that did it. Oh, um, my, thank God. And even like, you know, black folks were even barred from traditional forms of credit. So it's sort of like, again, mm-hmm. you add on like, as if slavery wasn't enough, but you add in all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's sort of like, Again, an amends was never made for this hundreds of years of uh, atrocities that happened and things only got worse. Black people were able to push through through the bullshit, but Mm -hmm. it was a lot. Again, so there's sort of like the sort of call to it. And like, again, thinking about this, like you had unpaid labor of millions over the course of like slavery right Mm -hmm. and all that uh, compounded money that is just owed to all that free labor that happened yeah and some people were like i you know was in one of those facebook debates that you're talking about when i posted this all started because marion williamson who's running she's a spiritual guru of mine Mm -hmm. she wrote a return to love and she is talking about reparations and Mm -hmm. that has my ears perked up because only recently i've been hearing like white folks who are now running for office like cynthia nixon Mm -hmm. even talking about reparations and i didn't even think it was possible and I think we need to like move into a space of like 
what is possible? We need to dream a little bit and get a little creative. We all need to be Ocasio-Cortez. Thank you. And like just sort of thinking about like what's outside the box instead of like just looking at like what has been done in the past. Someone was like, and again, so I don't want to have to have an argument with people who are white liberals of why reparations won't work. Like that, don't come to the table and just be like, no, mm-hmm. come to the table and be like, I'm not. Sure. I mean, they also said that America becoming its own nation wouldn't work. Right. Thank you. Like, you know what I mean? So like you things. There's a lot of they things. They also said we couldn't get to the moon. And they said we couldn't fly a plane. We couldn't fly a plane. And sure, we faked mm-hmm. that first moon landing, but I'm sure some of the other ones were. I'm just kidding. Did we? I don't Did know. we? I don't know. I, no one knows. There is historical <laughs> precedent for reparations. So I it's agree. not crazy. Mm-hmm. Take 1988. U.S. President Ronald Reagan formally apologized for the U.S. government's internment of Japanese Americans during, war, during World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have the Civil Liberties Act. 20,000 reparations to over 800,000 victims. It's total like 1 billion was initially allocated um, yeah. an additional 400,000 for later claims. So mm-hmm. it's happened here in the U.S. It has. In my fucking lifetime. In accordance with the 1952 agreement, Germany has paid over 89 billion reparations to victims of the Holocaust during World War II. Mm -hmm. Um, They continue, the German officials continue to meet with groups to make sure that they're meeting the needs that they need to. It's a a continuous sort of discussion and thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, in 2015, Greek and Russian parliaments voted to demand that Germany pay them for the damage by Nazi occupation. So... It's not like it's a far-fetched thing to It's not like it's not already happening. Right. I mean, we also have to talk about the fact that white slave owners were compensated. Yes, For their lost property. Yes. Which I think I read somewhere. Again, I'm so sorry. I can't remember any of these sources. Yeah, first of all. Oh, your property is a human being. I'm sorry about your three-fifths of a person that you lost. God. But it was something like it would account for now because they did the math of like what it would have been $300 a slave. Yeah. You have a plantation full of slaves so I mean like yeah they lost their free labor but they walked away with bank bank and they to to, like, still want to blame the civil war for their economy like, tanking you could you know? have done you did okay like you still got to keep like all of your land that didn't get taken away from you mm-hmm. you still were already put at a greater advantage you still you, got to pay dirt cheap for your I labor I was gonna say you probably still just actually like hired some of those slaves or some of them the great migration got the fuck out of there which yay mm-hmm. uh, but you like you said paid dirt cheap for the people who were coming up for for it. Yeah. So how could we possibly do it? Because again, like I think that we need to, I can, I know some of you are cringing and I want to say, open your mind, mm-hmm. like come to the table. And I just hate it when like you propose something and people already say like, no, that can't be, that that's not possible. Mm-hmm. We need to think about what is possible. How could things be possible? Or even just come and listen. I think so quickly people just are, have like an opinion and, and shoot something down as opposed to saying, oh, I don't really know about that. Can you tell me more? Mm-hmm. Or also like I had this person I was going in a, conversation with back and forth and all of a sudden I was expected to come up with all the ways that this could happen mm-hmm. like I'm not in public office and and that's where our, our, our we as a people should come together to figure out yeah. how could we make this work for today mm-hmm. well luckily some journalists have done the work for me so I'm going to leak two articles of uh, that I thought were really fascinating about how some of this I uh, could work um, what this might look like and so well first is like how would you pay for it and there's one proposal that this one author uh, proposed um, that essentially it's a, a, a graduated tax on wealth inherited mm. uh, on wealth and inherited wealth so essentially going after like the billionaires mm-hmm. um, essentially would pay like an, a, a anyone in ex- 
taxes of five million would pay a one percent tax, and that would, could go uh, towards uh, these reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, also, penalties for people who have all these offshore accounts. There's so much money that's going to offshore <sighs> accounts. So p- making penalties oh. for that. Um, Cynthia Nixon proposed using taxes from legalized marijuana when she was running. Mm-hmm. I so, remember that, and which was so mind blowing and amazing. Which I think makes so much sense using the tax dollars from uh, legalized marijuana mm-hmm. and giving that towards uh, reparations or these black and brown communities that have been vastly affected by the war on drugs. Yeah. Because it's new money. It's just new money coming in. So we're not missing out on anything. Yeah, And it's also the fact that it was criminalized and demonized when it was something that was, you know, primarily like, oh, this is like bad. And it's something that, you know, the hippies and black people and degenerates are all a part of. And now that, you know, your suburban average mom is, is just like smoking, up smoking makes me a better mommy. Yeah. That you know? like, Oh, okay. I guess it's fine. Oh my gosh. But you know, but it's, it's just one of those things that it makes sense that you would try to take this thing that was weaponized against a community and turn it into a tool. So how do we do it? Like, what are some possible like ways that it could be done? First up, we just got to get Congress to look at this. Mm-hmm. And since 1989, John Con- Senator Congressman John Conyers has actually every year proposed Bill HR 40, which mm-hmm. is just um, a it's it's essentially just a bill that is an exploratory committee to look into reparations. So it's not even saying that we're going to do it, but it's just a commission and a committee to look into, uh, you know, how much money uh, would be owed, how much money was gained during slavery, mm-hmm. how it would look like. So all we're saying is like, let's just kind of explore this. And every year it's been voted down. Mm. And so HR 40, because it's like the 40 acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm, I mm, see what you mm, did there. Mm-hmm. And in the book published by uh, Randall Robinson, he talks about uh, in the debt, and the debt, what America owes to blacks, he talks about how it, it could come up in a wide range of reparations could be used from uh, cultural institutions, community initiatives, direct cash grants, targeted wealth building. So, so much, so many different ways. And so it could be directly given to people once you find out like how they work. They'd have to, for some people, maybe it would be like them proving like their direct lineage mm-hmm. to slavery. Um, I know that mine is like, it's my great, great, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, and my uncle, his like grandmother, he said, he look, she just his great great grandmother looked like she just like fresh off the boat from Africa and was mm-hmm. like freed shortly after when she arrived. Um, so some people would be able to trace it, and then uh, those who could qualify could be paid perhaps in a lump sum. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also it could is a lump sum preferable to an annual sum. I guess so, because it's just all up right up in front, you know, possibly. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know um, there are some people who they get theirs annually. So it's a certain mm, amount every right. year yeah. up until. Just that little extra. Yeah. It could but, also come in the form of tax breaks as well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That yep. would be really helpful. There could also be um, additional funds could be targeted for matching savings programs, mm-hmm. homeownerships, business startups, um, because, again, they lost out in the possibility mm-hmm. to start their businesses with the 40 acres and a mule yeah um they could be option they could be also for financial literacy training programs mm-hmm. d- additional educational programs um like i said first time home bu- home buyer programs could be given similar to ones in world war ii that black people have missed out on but white people were able to participate on yeah 
Um, also, there could be tuition, tuition-free higher education would be a possibility uh, that would help out or f- extra financial support at universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, endowments for historical and cultural institutions could be given as well mm-hmm. um, to different like, you know, not, uh, museums, um, art programs, uh, exhibits about the history of slavery and its aftermath, mm-hmm. uh, national history education programs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like there could be like in Germany, they have like all these places that like will have like a stone that will like like well, there's all kinds of memorable yeah. plates and stuff that like so when you're walking around it's just there and it's a constant reminder mm-hmm. which helps because like Germany is not going to go down that fucking path again mm-hmm. because they're reminded by it all the time and they've had to pay this debt because they an atrocity happened yeah. you know and we've not had to pay that debt so mm-hmm. well actually because of the way world politics are right now too there's been a huge resurgence of yes the Nazi party. Sure. Yeah. Which is terrifying, but it's, it's so much of what we are allowing government wise yeah. and sort of like the platforms we are giving people. Yeah. You know, so if we can have those conversations, why can't we talk about reparations yeah. or why can't we hold Germany up as an example? Yeah. And I think one of the big things is that America is still not ashamed. Right. Germany is ashamed. Right. We haven't gotten to that shame thing. You no. know what will help us be ashamed? Paying the fucking bill. Putting like monuments <laughs> up. Like that'll be like, okay, don't want to do that again. We've not paid our bill, you know? Yeah. And like, or having monuments that are a constant like reminder of like, this is where mm. a lynching happened, you know? Any plantation Can house. Can you imagine? And any plantation oh house shouldn't be called just like, a, oh, this is, it needs to be called what it is. Yeah. And, like people should probably stop having these grand weddings at plantations maybe right yeah and like yeah so um like i said also historical Mm -hmm. monuments and markers there's over apparently thirty thousand commemorative bricks around um in in germany uh roots to africa giving so tens of thousands of jews uh jewish people excuse me tens of thousands of jewish young people uh from the u.s go to israel each year oh yeah for birthright and so there could be a birthright trip for folks uh for black people to be able to go back it would build relationships and community it also would also probably help to stimulate I love the that economy idea. over there isn't that great yeah um it should be uh debt cancellation psychological rehabilitation mm-hmm. and also just maybe like a fucking formal ass apology there's never been one has there it hasn't there been. has never been nope. one nope and so uh so that's some of the ways that it could be so mm-hmm. we could at least just start brainstorming on this um how much could it cost like it could some have estimated around uh how much is owed based on like you know i'm not a numbers guy but they mm-hmm. they crunch some numbers and some people have come up with a number of like nine, 9.12 billion in total mm-hmm. uh some have said it's actually even more 1.4 trillion marion williamson has thrown up 10 billion um for she has her reasons. Mm-hmm. So I look at it like, you know, um, and also the UN has said that they did a finding that the US owes African Americans reparations. The UN has said they did an investigation, they studied it, mm-hmm. this needs to happen. And there are examples like Georgetown University announced earlier this month that it'd be offering free tuition to descendants of the 272 slaves that were sold in 1838 to help pay the university's debts. That's really interesting. Yeah. So there is, you know, movements that that is happening. And I just say, like, to anybody, like, let's be open to how instead of being like, oh, Republicans will never go for it. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you know, I think that we need the white people, white folks to be the abolitionist of today. Mm. Because think about the abolitionists were going up a hill. Yeah. And there were many that were just like, mm, that's too much. Or, you know, what? Are, why are you trying to cause, cause such a ruffle? Yeah. I appreciate the use of abolitionist as opposed to ally. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. I need you to be a fucking like abolitionist and continue the work that your four uh, mothers and, and fathers did mm-hmm. because the work is half finished. And I think that we can be the generation to see reparations done. For me, this is one of my top three political issues that mm-hmm. I need a candidate to be openly talking about. Yeah. And honestly, actually, probably needs to be, and I need to hear white folks have to lead the charge on this. Black yeah. people can't be the ones to do it. We can't be the ones saying, like, here's the bill. You all have to galvanize, organize, and talk about it amongst your communities and not say, oh, it's not possible, but say, how can we make it possible to mm-hmm. right this wrong? It's the only way that we're going to truly solve racism in America mm-hmm. and make a, an amends because anything else, band-aids. Yeah, Just well, that, band-aids exactly. On it. I mean, people are people who make the argument of like, oh, well, you keep bringing it up. You keep opening wounds. Like, why can't you let it go? We've never healed it. Because it's never healed because it's still happening. Like the wounds are still occurring. Yeah. You know, and it's this, I, I personally can't even imagine. Do you know what I mean? Cause yeah. of course, like as a minority, I understand what it means to be discriminated against, but never to the degree of the black community. Yeah. And that's something I think is really important for all of us to acknowledge that like, yeah, you guys got the shit end of the stick sure did. in America. Yeah. You, you really fucking did. Yep. And there's no sort of like when we pit against each other with the whole, well, my family did this and we did this and let's talk about Irish like indentured okay. servitude I, and yeah. all this stuff. It's like, that is an important story and that is its own narrative. And I can respect that while still not letting you derail the conversation we need to have good point about what you know you need yeah what the black community needs and once we start comparing and getting nitpicky that's i mean that's what people want because then work doesn't get done yeah yep instead of coming together to be like hey how do we do this you know we were at a supreme disadvantage you know we had to deal with slavery and then segregation and then the war on drugs yeah, and then just you know the, just so the, many lists of things it's just, just been like a constant tidal wave it, yep. it seems like from the outside you know garbage fire t- of t- a constant tidal wave of garbage fire yeah like the garbage in the ocean that we have put there and polluted is all on fire and it's coming and the for black big people. wave is coming and everyone's like i don't know why you can't just dance in the rain <laughs> <laughs> you know like where well, i'm wearing my headdress i just you know we're all gonna get in this boat but like <laughs> if you learned how to swim you could get to this boat you know See, like yeah. i don't know why you can't work harder <laughs> it's just people you know they have to realize that we all are beginning in different places Mm -hmm. and that you know black people were forcibly brought here yeah you know it was not a choice right asian americans had a choice to come here yeah you know a lot of us had the choice to emigrate right but you guys did not nope there was not a choice you know and that alone i think is the reason that it needs to be a priority when we talk about race yep Agreed. Yeah. That's the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's thank you for coming to Reparations Corner. Hey. And uh, I'd like to see it on the ballot. Let's make it happen. But now let's get over to you. Ooh. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Oh, good oh, man, stuff. Every time. Uh, well, I hope that you're enjoying this podcast you're listening to as much as we are pretending to. 
But anyway, why not listen to another podcast, too? It's called The Flophouse. And on our podcast, uh, we have recently watched a movie, often a bad movie, and we review it on our podcast, but mainly talk about other stuff and, I don't know, hang out. It's all about hanging out, feeling like you're, like you're being with your best friends. Who are your best friends? Us three. Dan McCoy, <laughs> Emmy Award-winning writer for The Daily Show, Stuart Wellington, owner of the best bar in Brooklyn, Hinterlands, and Elliot Kalin, former Emmy-winning head writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, former head writer of Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, uh, so many things. Author of the upcoming children's book, All right, Dog. that's enough. The Elliot's credits just go on and on. Yeah, but if you like the idea of listening to three funny guys talk about bad movies, then why not come over and listen to The Flop House? It's uh, available at MaximumFun.org or wherever fine podcasts are found. So get out of here. Teresa's Corner, Teresa's Corner. We're in your corner. We are. Welcome. It's your first corner. It's, it's exciting. My gosh. Wait, you had a very fun fact right off air. and I, I did. Let's, let's hear it. Yeah, so it turns out that the same year that Jackie Robinson became the first black baseball player, it was actually the first year there was an Asian basketball player what? as well who broke a barrier in another sport. Uh, apparently, he his name was Lin Watt uh, for Wataru. Uh, Lin Watt Masaka is an Asian American who became an unlikely star and played basketball for the Knicks. Um, and this is like back in like the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually, I had a friend of mine who did a photo shoot or some sort of film where he played him. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm looking at this picture and this is the exact same. They did the same shot and shot for shot thing. And they were oh, uh, reenacting. I guess it's I a, love yeah, those. It was a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. Uh, it's a shot for shot always gets me. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I've seen this shot before in those short shorts. Mm-hmm. All right. So I know that um, one of the things I was really interested in talking about is the model minority myth. Yeah. Specifically. Yes, break it down. But to do that, you really have to go back and it all roots itself in what actually ended up being the over-sexualization of Asian women and the desexualization of Asian men, yeah. which is really fascinating how that plays into the myth, you know, which yeah. is... So basically, most people know that Chinese laborers came over during the gold rush, yeah. you know, to capitalize on all of that gold. Right. Um, and then Get they ended money. up working on the Transcontinental Railroad. Yes. And it turns out that one in four workers who built that railroad over the Sierras were Chinese and other identifying Asian Americans. Wow. Yeah. yeah. In fact, in California, so when the Chinese exclusion like the Chinese you know, Exclusion Act, right? Yeah, Chinese Exclusion Act. Was that like Act. in 1882? 1882. Yeah. Um, we talked about it here. I'm like, don't, don't think like I just know that. Like, I mean, I, I was really podcast. stoked you did. I was like, oh my God, I know they didn't <laughs> and, teach you that in school. And so in my you head, did your I homework. was wondering, I'm like, I wonder if she'll bring out the Chinese Exclusion Act. Oh, like, I have here to. Here it is. Yeah. Because you so, can't talk about the story without talking about the Chinese Exclusion Act. Actually, oh my God. So the, oh, I mean, oh, there's so many things to talk about in regards to that. Anyway, at the time that the Exclusion Act was written in, um, only 0.002% of the whole U.S. population was Asian. Right. But they made up 25% of the workforce in California. Whoa. Yeah. That's overly represented in that. Right? So, I mean, it was very... And California was actually the ones who were spearheading for exclusion. Yeah. But what most people don't know is that there was something that predated the Chinese Exclusion Act, and that was the Page Act, which Mm. is actually the very first um, piece of basically 
immigration law yeah. because it was the first time that they closed the borders wow. to any group of people in the United States. And it was specifically Asian women. Really? Just, just women. Why? Because they weren't going to do those labor jobs? No, no. So the issue was when like when um, men came over yeah. from Asia, Asian American, like what would become Asian American men, except not because they didn't get naturalized till 1943. It's mm. oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you weren't allowed to become a naturalized citizen until 1943 if you were Chinese. Damn, I know. But Damn. you're welcome for the fucking railroad. Yeah, but can um, you, you can't be a citizen. But can you build me a railroad? Well, can you just like do all this stuff? Can you build me a railroad so I can get further out west and take that land from the natives? Thing. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea was when. Asian men first came over uh, for the gold rush and then for the transcontinental railroad. Um, They were obviously not encouraged to sleep with white women. Right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't ruin our traditional family units. Don't do it. So they would bring Asian women over, primarily Chinese, um, to be prostitutes for Asian men. So, of course... All the white guys were like capitalizing hey, on all these Asian prostitutes. They love taking things that are from different cultures. Oh, they're don't like, get can out. I get that? Let me let me hit up in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Give me uh, some of that. If I had a fucking nickel, so <laughs> I could afford to pay reparations. That's what Ooh, I could do. Yeah, you're like, well, here's where that. Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> time someone discriminates against me, I'm gonna help you out. That's a great. Um, that's how reparation functions. Isn't that how it should? Should we just like, help one another? Minute. You know what? Let's put that over here. I'd much rather the people who should pay pay though. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. you earned your discrimination <laughs> money. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, but so Asian women specifically were viewed primarily as prostitutes mm, and oh. they were seen as sexual objects from I've like the moment they came to the United being States. planted about right? the sexualization of Asian women. So Asian women actually got the brunt of the blame for white men who were like cheating on their wives and disrupting traditional family units and yeah. all this stuff. So a Republican whose last name was Paige, he was the one who introduced this act saying that Chinese women specifically were, you know, causing the destruction of the American family and they had to go. Wow. So they were barred from coming, which meant that the Asian men who were left in the United States either had to choose to stay behind and keep sending money but never see their families again or they had to go home. Wow. And for a lot of them, they'd already established their life here. Right, yeah. So most of them stayed, which then brought the issue up again that... They wanted to settle and they wanted to, you know, start families and they wanted to have all these things. But it was illegal to marry a white woman. Yeah. It was actually also illegal for Chinese men to own land. Wow. Same so, story. Same oh, story. Seemsies. We were also not allowed to own <laughs> land. Fascinating. And the idea behind that was that you weren't a real man if you couldn't purchase land. Mm. And that's actually where. Like that was like the old hats. That like it'd be exactly. Like a big hat. <laughs> Instead of MAGA. It'd be that. <laughs> Just a big old. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> all those words on it. Damn gold rose hats. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So they, they were seen as lesser men mm. because they were not allowed to own property. And they worked these labor jobs. And then everyone in labor got pissed because they're like, they're stealing our job. It's, I mean, it's, it's the, the same. It's the time. It's I've the heard same the same shit. record. So Asian people came. And also, it's like these jobs that like, y'all didn't want to do anyways. I know. You didn't want to build the railroad. And they're like, well, they're, we're mad that they'll do it for cheaper. Okay. Well. I'm like, well, then stop no, not the, paying people. Exactly. That goes up to like your uh, capitalist like overlords who mm-hmm. should be, at the end of the day, paying people a better wage. And then there Watch you out go. for the guy stealing your cookie all over again. See? Trying to take that cookie. So. Asian men couldn't have land. 
they worked all these labor jobs and then people were like, well, we don't want you working these jobs anymore. So they were like, well, what the fuck do we do now? We yeah. can't go back and we can't do anything. Yeah. And that's when they started sort of like conglomerating in cities specifically mm. so that they could create urban communities and they worked the only jobs that they were really able to, which were primarily restaurants and laundries. Mm-hmm. And those are associated as women's work. So right. it further desexualized. But those them. are the only jobs they could get. It was the only ones they could get. And they were often mocked for that. And it was used as a tool to make them less desirable mm. to white women specifically. Yeah. And like a way to like, you know, ridicule and just make someone feel, I mean, it's also a great tactic of just like when someone is the oppressing force to make someone feel less than and mm-hmm. less than human, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, it's really interesting because the model minority myth started as a complete demonization mm. of Asian people. And back then Asian Americans were defined as Chinese, Japanese, Filipina, And then after the Vietnam War, it started to include Koreans, Vietnamese, Cambodians, basically everybody else. But Mm. at first it was just um, Chinese, Japanese, Filipinas, which is interesting because um, a lot of people in like continental Asia plus Japan, um, they say that Filipino people shouldn't count as Asians. Huh? Why? What would they be considered as? They're well, they want us to be Pacific Islanders and Pacific Islanders are like, you're not one of us either. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah. No, Filipinos have a tragic history oh, of man. just being like the last one picked at P.E. <sighs> you're like a person without a, a home. Yeah. You Damn. know, and then the home we do have, everyone's like, well, we're going to take your resources and your women and we're going to burn everything down. We're going to change your language. We're going to take your mythology from you. Um, and then you're going to become a U.S. territory and we're just going to like eroticize America to you. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what happened. Yeah. It, it, the history of the Philippines, like if you ever want to know like about people who have like truly been through the shit in their home country, mm-hmm. that's a really great place to start. Wow. I mean, it it's so my own grandparents, like it's crazy. Like my grandmother watched her seven year old brother get beheaded Yikes. by the Japanese. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Which is one reason that, you know, the whole thing about, oh, we can't tell any of you apart. Yeah. is really hurtful right? because we've hurt each other. Yeah. So when my grandmother and grandfather, who I call Papa and Nanai, which is actually Tagalog for mother and father, but they didn't want to be Lolo and Lola because it, it sounds too old. So they just wanted to be Papa and Nanai. Which um, also reminds me of, uh, her name was, wait, what was, there's Lola gets used in two different songs. Her name was Lola. Lola. She, she was, was a, a showgirl. Grandma was a showgirl. Whatever Lola wants, whatever Lola gets. So whatever Grandma wants, Grandma gets. Oh, she does. So my friend who, when I used to work on a cruise ship and she mm-hmm. was from the Philippines and she'd be like, Lola means Grandma. It does. We would joke about that. We sure do love to tell people what things mean. Yeah, it helps. If I'm a like, word comes oh, up and it sounds it even remotely like a Tagalog word, we're like, did you know? Yeah. Sidebar two, this is not, yes. I don't, I just finished watching American Crime Story, mm. the Versace mm. one. Oh. I don't know if you know this, but like, I. Darren Chris. Darren Chris is first of all he's half Filipino he is and he's the, also from San Francisco he is mm-hmm. uh, he went to Sacred Heart High School no he went to St. Ignatius oh I was in the private Catholic school okay like okay. I know you went to one of them I went to Mercy okay which for your listeners I went to an all girls Catholic school okay. across the street from a mall and it was as terrible as it sounds that sounds like a CW show yeah. in the making we literally had my first speaker at the school they had uh, like an abstinence only pro-life speaker come speak oh, to my us God. 
and you know I went to a Catholic school so we're all like okay oh, this okay. woman's gonna talk to us about abstinence and stuff but she was actually like a lunatic oh. and they did not know when they booked her and she went on this whole rant about how like if you have premarital sex the baby will like fall apart inside ah. you and you're gonna give birth to like pieces of a ah. sin baby oh my oh oh god it was like That's, well. I mean it was just so bad it was so bad that in my I was the I was voted salutatorian for my class me and two other girls because we got to vote Smart. so I had like a 2.5 average and I was my high school salutatorian boom get so it. that went on my resume like, we're, changing, <laughs> we're changing these rules let's change the narrative <laughs> it was so bad that we brought it up in our speech yeah like because we did the the comedic speech yeah. the valedictorian does like the real one where it's like oh my god we're all gonna learn and like remember these days like, no we're um, just gonna have some yeah fun. we just we do the parody of school yeah and we did it as a mean girls parody yes and they would not allow us to say specifically what happened because they had to like issue an apology. Oh, like sure. it was really serious. Bad for that. So we made it a mean girls themed speech. And all we were like was like, we had that one speaker, like, <laughs> the, like the PE teacher from Mean Girls. <laughs> that we can't really talk about. But it was a quote everyone knew. Yes. So like we all got it, but none of the principals are all like, oh, they're quoting that Mean Girls. Oh, get them out of here. You know, those slutty, slutty women. <laughs> Ah, oh, it's probably uh, fine. <laughs> but yeah. Wait, but Darren Chris, the guy who played mm-hmm. Andrew Cunanan, who mm-hmm. killed Versace, mm-hmm. and spoiler alert, five other people. I didn't realize. Like, it's a very fascinating mm. story in the American crime story. And like, when they do American crime story, it's like how this was an American crime. Yeah. And a lot of people who he murdered were people who were, uh, you know, uh, kicked out of the military. There was one guy who got kicked out of the military, Fedona mm-hmm. Sortal, uh, these rich, affluent men who were in the closet. Mm-hmm. Long story long, like the Andrew Cunanan was also his dad was from the Philippines mm. and was chasing this idea of the American dream. And Andrew Cunanan was obsessed with like wealth and all this sort of yeah. stuff that like and and then his dad ended up like fleeing back to the Philippines because he was chasing the American dream so hard that like he mm-hmm. was misusing the stock market and had yeah. to fly back. And then it's just it's really it was just a really interesting story about Ryan Murphy always does a good job. You're like, how is this an American crime story? And then you see all the different facets of yeah. America that it touches it's and it connects America to America as an idea and the yeah. way that it can have a toxic effect on others. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's the toxicity of these, these, these under these things that we've not healed from and cleared up, mm-hmm. and it has created. You see all the chaos yeah. that it creates in in this person's life, and then how it's sort of a domino effect. And like this guy ends up like murdering these people, and if, like and killed Versace, and then mm-hmm. Versace. And I'll be cruise by the way. Revelation. So good at like playing Donatella. Like she mm-hmm. was fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, I digress. Back to you. Ah, uh, it's the okay. Studio. <laughs> yes, in the corner. In the corner. Back to you in the corner. Um, I'm here too. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, uh, Asian women were eventually allowed back into the United oh, States. Okay. Like, Welcome thank back. goodness. Here I am. Hi. Here I am, world. Uh, come on, ladies. Um, but the myth about us was still perpetuated. Oh. Um, there is, it's really interesting. So a lot of that was due to World War II specifically because of Japanese women who serviced American men overseas. Yeah. And when you um, say like all like the other wars then thereafter. Yeah. Like the I mean, Vietnam War, Korean, Korean comfort War, women. And yeah. it's, there's a huge history of American men specifically coming to Asia and it's, what was it? There was a statistic. It was 75% of veterans who have been to an Asian country admitted to seeking an Asian prostitute. 
There you go. Right. So, I mean, there's, there was a demand and Asia provided a supply to them for their, you know, own sick thing. And this is where we get into why it's important to include intersectionality and feminism as well, Mm, because, you know, we talk about how, you know, sex trafficking is awful and it's one of those things that it's been so prevalent in Asian culture and it's something that never gets talked about, Mm. you know? So anyway, World War II happened and that was when those stereotypes were being enforced. And then of course there were, there was Japanese American internment. Now, a lot of Japanese people at that time in California were farmers Mm -hmm. who all lost their land. Again, this is about taking land from people or, you know, there was, I mean, people lost everything. Yeah. They lost everything. And this is where the model minority myth really began because after, you know, generations of being beaten down and not allowed into the country and then not allowed to work and being treated as subhuman to the point that they were put in a camp. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Suddenly you have to start all over. Right. And so Japanese Americans and all Asian Americans, because you also have to remember at the time people didn't give a fuck about the difference. Right. There's so anybody together. who looked remotely Asian was Japanese. Yep. And my Nana says that was actually the hardest part of coming to America was that people accused her of being Japanese and threw slurs at her for being Japanese mm. after she had witnessed her, her younger brother be, and her grandfather and her uncle being murdered. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was crazy. My grandfather literally like walked like through gunfire like a couple of times to get to school. And he came to the United States through the Coast Guard. Wow. He joined the military. Okay. So I also come from a military family, right. an immigrant military family. Yeah. So it's very interesting how patriotism weaves its way into our narrative. Sure. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of Filipino people I know, I have a really good friend who's also a playwright, Caitlin Kenny, and she wrote a play Void I did with her last summer. And it's about um, how military families from other countries, what being an American means to them and yeah. how to relate as both you know, an American, but also as a Filipino person, mm-hmm. but being Filipino American never feels quite correct. Sure. Cause you feel like a traitor either way, mm. you know, well, it's sort of like, I don't, uh, it sort of just reminded me of, I, you know, I think a lot of us, when we go back to like, we have this, I know a lot of black people who are like, when I thinking of when they went back to Africa, they'd feel mm. this like, you know, welcome home. But like Michelle Obama talks about in her book becoming yeah. when she went to, you know, Kenya, she very much felt just like an American woman and like this outsider person. Yeah. Um, and just how exp- different, like if you're uh blank, American, mm-hmm. how different your experience in life is. The same way of like crazy rich Asians didn't do well mm. over uh, in China. Yeah, uh, they didn't care for it all that much. Well, it it was a story about an Asian American woman. Yeah, from that and, the, and from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, they also talk a lot about how. Uh, when Isle of Dogs by Wes Anderson came mm. out, it got a really good reception overseas, but not here because mm. here people were like, he has no right to use like the Japanese voice. And right. this is a parody of our culture and this is all this stuff. And they loved it over there. Interesting. You know, because I think the thing people have to understand is that in America, we're still fighting for our identities to be acceptable Truth. in a melting pot country. Yeah. Whereas over there, it's just like who they are. It's, yeah. And it's very homogenous. It's they very see homogenous who they are. They know who they are. Are. They were born into it. They yeah. see their history. I mean, they're around their history. Nationality has weight. Yeah. 
in a way that you know because america is still so relatively young and our history is so tumultuous social experiment like what's happened here is not ever happened anywhere else no not at all they didn't have like slavery didn't wasn't the same way that it was over Mm -hmm. in like europe and over in england it didn't build a country the way that it did here very true Yeah. yeah totes yeah so it's interesting because for asian americans when everything was taken from them right they worked from the ground up and they had to apply, you know, and I mean, there's all the the tropes and the stereotypes about Asian people are so hardworking and mm-hmm. they're so polite mm-hmm. and they're so docile and that's why they were successful. But the real reason is that we were given opportunities that other races were not. And in doing that, we were able to succeed because we had the same hunger and the same drive and the same you know, need to prove that we could be Americans. So what started happening was as we started coming up and like gaining things, because again, even though we had everything taken away from us, we still started ahead. Mm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because we had a lot more agency from the beginning. They figured out they could weaponize our success against the black community specifically. Mm. And it became finger pointing. It became, you know, if Asian Americans can do it, why can't you? They're polite. They don't talk back. Like you keep complaining. If you just put your head down like they do and you work harder and you educate yourselves, there's no reason you can't because they can. Right. You know, and what that actually did was it was Asian Americans like scrambling for crumbs. Basically, we're like, yes, like we will take these. We will take these benefits like we will make the best of ourselves. And a lot of it was buying into the illusion that we would fully assimilate Mm. the way that in a lot of ways, like, say, Irish people fully assimilated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or even like some. Yeah. Irish people, even like some like some Italian people here, like some people who you. Yeah. They once they lost their accent, they just Mm -hmm. became a white person. Yeah. I mean. There's a whole argument to be made too. Like I personally like don't take it well that we actually do use a lot of racist tropes against Italians still to this day. Yes, very true. But because they're white, we don't take it as seriously. And I think that that's something we need to address. That's true. You know, when we do like a pizza pie, like that's really racist. Like that's not okay. Yeah. I think it's similar to someone doing like an urban black voice. I actually quit a show that asked me to do an urban black voice. (laughs) You're like not. I literally left. Like it was my last episode on that show. Thank you for not being Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, well, it was she a, would have doubled down. It was a puppet show. And I played oh. a frog puppet. Yeah. I'd, I'm not even giving the name of it. It was like a whole thing. You're like, and they're like, can you do you it know, more urban? Yeah. He was like, can you do it more urban? And I was, and I literally was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, like a little bit more like street. No, sir. I don't know what that and means. And I was like, so. Like a hooker? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't get it. And yeah. I just played dumb. And he was like, well, you, you know, just you make a little more. I, yeah, he did. Oh, he did. He was, a, he was an old white guy. Mm-mm. And the thing, the thing that always gets me is how hard they try and yep. how progressive they think they are. Mm. But being like, look at my obviously black frog puppet. Yeah. Look, look uh, inclusion. See? But meanwhile, it's being The done. princess was a white woman puppet and everybody <laughs> else was an animal. Oh, God. For the record. Also, it's being. And I had to do a rap. Yeah. And this voice is done by, like, again, like, you know, their mom. Yeah. Minority I left. Birth. I never went back. I was like, I'm sorry, this is no longer going to work out. Beautiful. But yeah, well, I mean, that's what I mean is we have to stand, we have to stand up for each other in these small ways. And the thing that sucks is that I feel like in the Asian community specifically, the, the next layer of the issue is in trying to Americanize so much 
we're appropriating black culture mm. because American culture inherently appropriates black culture. Right. And that's why you have like all these Filipino kids who love, they you know, love they love dance. their hip hop dance or, you know, yeah, because they're seeking American identity and there's nothing more identity than the black American identity. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, and it's, I, it's also like gross to say, but it's a rebellion against having really racist parents. Sure. Cause your parents are like those probably like there's cause they want them. I'm assuming they want them to assimilate, but like if the black people are so demonized and like the media and news yeah. and stuff. So it's like, stay away from them. Mm-hmm. And then there's, it's a rebellion. I can yeah. see it. I mean, my own grandmother really did not like black people for a long time. And she said, they're like, well, they were more racist towards us than white people were. Hmm. Which I really think she believes is true. Sure. Because all the benefits and stuff they got were from white people because they were in charge of the military and all of her stuff. Yeah. And, you know, when they were in poor, rundown neighborhoods. And these people were in these communities, which, again, have had a garbage fire of tidal wave thrown at yeah. them. We're literally just trying to survive as well. And again, we are and we're also pitted, too, and We were pitted against we're pitted each against other, each you other. know? Because I, I was in a barber shop and this woman was this black barber and she was talking about how, yes, there needs to be a wall because they're taking our jobs. And it's like, I wanted to hug her because I'm like, you've mm-hmm. been fed this lie yeah. and that's not true. And we need to bandy together mm-hmm. and you're feeding into what, again, the aristoc- aristocrats, what the aristocrats <laughs> are trying. Aristocracy. Aristocracy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I personally, I feel like a lot of, guilt about ways that I know that I've appropriated black mm, culture, okay. you know, especially growing up in the Bay area sure. because Bay area Asians are love to be like, yeah, well like all my black friends, let me say the N word <laughs> and I'm so ratchet and I'm so, and I'm just like, I don't know how to explain to you how problematic that is yeah. in a way that you will accept mm-hmm. because you really hardcore believe you are entitled to that experience. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's one of the major issues when we talk about, again, intersectionality and race relations and everything is that we can't demand rights for us or for us to get more roles in movies and for more representation if we are also misrepresenting another community and if we are not being supportive. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's tough for me as an actor who doesn't pass for my own race mm. because I'm biracial. I look Japanese. Mm-hmm. I have very, very pale skin mm-hmm. and I have some Eurocentric features like I have like a really small button nose and, you know, I have high cheekbones. And so people think I'm Japanese. So I got called in for a lot of Japanese parts and part like Avenue Q. Yeah. I've played Christmas Eve twice. Yeah. And I'm not Japanese. Right. I mean, like if you ask my nanai, I am decidedly not Japanese. <laughs> you know? Of course, she, because of the history. Because of the it. history. So Yikes. there's always yeah. part of me that's like, is this inappropriate? Am mm. I taking a part from a Japanese actor or is this what we're doing because of the scarcity of parts? I was going to say, there's not like there's a lot of parts out there for you know? Filipino actors specifically. No, especially because even if there were, I would not get cast in them. Because mm, you don't look the part Because I don't enough. look the part at all, even yeah. though that's who I am. Right. So when, you know, we talk about the model minority myth and how we're supposed to be doctors and lawyers and this and that, I'm like, well, I would love to be an actor and to represent Asian people in my community, I don't even get cast in my own community. Mm. And then I have to worry about the responsibility of representing another community well. Right. If I'm going to take that job. Yeah. And if I am going to take that job, I do look into it and I'm like, 
did they consider anyone else for this part that is more appropriate? Like, am I the kind of person who would back down? Like if I were asked to play Mulan on Broadway right. in the opening cast of Mulan on Broadway, yeah. I don't think I could morally take that part because mm, it's because it should go to a Chinese yeah. American. Right. And it's, it, yeah, I, I just you know, yeah. it's so big and it's, it's so, so monumental big. and it's but the such thing a is, huge moment. So but, many people would be like, it shouldn't matter. Like you look the part enough and, you know, you, you know, you're still Asian. It's still the Asian mm. experience. I'm like, but it's the Chinese like, American experience versus Filipina American or Japanese yeah. American, Cambodian, Laotian. Right. Yeah. Like it's. You're no Scarlett Johansson. No. And God, no. Amanda Lee Sandberg, who, uh, I don't know if you know Amanda Lee Sandberg. She played mm. Little Rue mm. in uh, The Hunger Games. Oh, She's, I love her. She was in The Hate You Give. She's really brilliant. Mm. She turned down a part in Black Panther. Yeah. Because she's like, I don't. I can't play an African princess because mm-hmm. right. It, it had to colorism. do with the fact she felt yeah. she was too light skinned. Is that what I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's what I read, but I was like, you would know you yeah. are, you no, are the, Marvel she, uh, the Marvel expert. I remember expert. reading that yeah. and I really respected it. I would love to keep you here talking all day, but I think we're out of time. Oh my God. But we're going to close out the show. Thank you for your corner. As someone who's Filipina and half, I know that there's a lot that I can never cover. Mm. So I'm always open to people who want to either bring me more knowledge or corrections or ways that I can do better. So you can find me on Instagram. I'll spell it for you because my name is long. It's a T-E-R-I-J-O-Y-E-A-U-X. Terry Joyo. Ooh. Ooh. That, Teresa Joy. Oh. But fantastic. like my nickname and then my middle name in French. Just a throat, keep them on their toes. <laughs> just like, not, you know, because then I can pretend to spell it wrong if I give it to somebody. Yeah. I'm be like, oh my God, there was a letter mm, wrong. Sorry, oh, I'm sorry, you'll never find I've... me. But my page is, it's public. I like letting people see how I thrive. Yeah. Um, that way no one's putting you in a box yeah. while you're on the gram. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, my cat has an Instagram. Oh, you can perfect. find through my Instagram so if much. you're into those kitty cat pictures. People love the cat. I've had her for two weeks and it's already a huge part of my identity. I'm crazy. Not crazy. Just but love. Love. Um, well, also to the, all of our listeners, you can also remember to uh, tweet at us at Minority Corner uh, and let us know how you uh, what you liked about the show. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we forgot? I know y'all love fact checking us, so let us oh, know. Can you please? Because yeah. I know there are things that I definitely referenced mm-hmm. that I remember reading and doing things and I don't have the exact links or references. Sure. And yeah. I would love to be fact checked about a lot of what I said. Well, I just want to say uh, thank you all for all of our listeners. Thank you, Teresa, for joining us. Thank it's been you. so great having you here on The Corner. It has been fun. It's, I've enjoyed it. Uh, well, thank you all for listening to Minority Corner because together we're, we're the, the majority. majority. Ooh, See, it. all we need Take is a little three. practice. You know, we can all do better. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.